Hey, Drew Dixon back with you for another Bible Thump. We're in Mark 7, 24 through 30. Um, so we've been working our way through the Gospel of Mark and uh, seeing Jesus do more and more controversial things and say more and more things that might get him into trouble. And here we're going to see Jesus trying to go somewhere where he is was less likely to get into trouble and trouble finds him which is kind of funny. Like, this is actually kind of a funny story in Mark's gospel. I think, I think it is. Um, You may disagree with me on that, but I think my interpretation of it is that there's some playful banter. There's some humor going on here. Um, Jesus is being sarcastic in a way, I think, that is not harmful. Like, I think sarcasm can be harmful. Jesus is sarcastic in a way that's, I think, playful. And I think the person he interacts with picks up on it and is playful as well. And something really beautiful and good comes out of it. So, it's a weird story. It's a good story. Um, and it's a story where, where Jesus, again, just has trouble seeming to find him. But he doesn't let it phase him. He doesn't let it phase what he's all about. It's a really cool story. Let's, let's dig in. Mark 7, starting verse 24. He got up and departed from there to the region of Tyre. He entered, he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he could not escape notice. Instead, immediately after hearing about him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at Jesus' feet. The woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she was asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, let the children be fed first, because it isn't right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she replied to him, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, because of this reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. When she went back to her home, she found her child lying on the bed, and the demon was gone. All right, so there's a lot of debate about this passage. There's some people that claim that Jesus uses a racial slur here when he says when he talks about Gentiles being dogs. Um, I don't think that's exactly accurate. Um, that is an interpretation of this passage, though. It's a tricky passage. Um, is Jesus being mean <laughs> to this woman? My take is that this is, like I said before, this is playful banter, that this is um, Jesus kind of poking at her, and she pokes right back. She picks up on the joke and comes right back, like, swinging at him in a way that I think, like, um, just, like, listen, you talk this way sometimes with some of your friends, and sometimes you even get the sense that you can talk this way, you can talk, like, playfully with someone that you've just met. Sometimes we just pick up on it. Like, there's people that come in our, into our lives that you just know, hey, I can joke around with this person. It's going to be fine. Um, I think that's what's going on here. But um, we just got a, a a fresh view of Jesus stepping into the religious world of his day and, like, really undermining one of the most treasured aspects of Jewish identity and culture, right? The food laws and him declaring um, all foods clean, essentially, uh undermining Jewish food laws with what he said about what actually makes someone clean and unclean. Um, And here he does a miracle that I think actually embodies that. And we'll see that here in a a bit, but many Jews in Jesus day thought of Gentiles as dogs. So that's, that's, that's what Jesus is playing off of. Um, Like Jews were really judgy, like super judgy in Jesus day. A lot of them were not all Jews, please. um, This is really important to hear me say this. Like, just because we get one conception of how Jews were from certain parts of the Bible doesn't mean that's how all of them were by any means at this time. Um, now, the Pharisees certainly, in a lot of ways, embody a certain type of, of, of religion that um, Jesus questions and 
and objects to at many points of his ministry, but that doesn't mean that they embodied Judaism in his day on the whole, um, by any means. But um, but many Jews, many Jews in Jesus' day thought of Gentiles as dogs, as lesser people, as lesser uh, people because of their sinfulness and their worshiping of many gods and their um, sometimes very sinful forms of worship, like sexually lewd forms of worship and things like that. Um, they really looked down on them for that. But Gentiles also thought of Jews as foolish and weird, and they thought their their food laws were absolutely bizarre and restrictive in a way that was like sinful to them. Like it would be sinful to, to withhold um, yourself from, from food and from certain sexual acts and things like that, that, that was that these two groups of people were at odds. They didn't trust each other. They didn't like each other. That's kind of the culture we find ourselves in, in, in Mark, in Mark seven. Um, and amongst Jewish people in Jesus day, there was a common understanding of the Messiah's goal that it was, not to bring good news to these messed up, broken Gentile people. Like they'd kind of, there was kind of a, there was a, a thread at least of Judaism at this time that kind of said the Gentiles are, are out of luck, right? Like they're so broken um, and so messed up and so uh, pagan that there's not a lot of hope for them. Um, and, uh, and so the Messiah, come on the scene, the Messiah is going to come on the scene and bring good news to the Jews first. Primarily, that was the Messiah's goal, was to minister to Jews, to bring redemption, renewal, purification to Israel, to the to God's people. Um, and uh, it wasn't until, now that's not to say that Jewish people in Jesus' day, um, that most of them didn't have a conception of there being good news for Gentiles, or there being a hope for Gentiles. Um, this was rooted in this is all over scripture and the Jews were not ignorant of God's promises to the nations, right? I mean, Abraham was, God promised him when God made a covenant with Abraham, he said, you're going to be a blessing to all nations. And we could look at, you know, stories like Jonah, um, you know, going to Nineveh and, and it's all over Isaiah and the minor prophets is this promise that like God has a plan that includes all types of people from all nations and tongues and so on. And so like they weren't ignorant of that, but they thought, hey, God's going to deal with Israel first. He's going to get Israel on track. He's going to get rid of Rome, right? He's going to get Israel purified and in a position of power and authority and influence. And then we'll deal with those Gentiles, um, <laughs> maybe through conquest, maybe through some kind of assimilation or whatever. But, um, but yeah, it was a Jew first sort of mentality. And again, please don't hear me saying that, that, that this is every Jewish person in Jesus' day, but this is a loud voice. This is a uh, influential voice that's leaning in this direction. And um, and by the way, like Jesus kind of buys into that sort of mentality of, of, of Jews first in many ways. I mean, he embodies this in many ways. Most of his ministry is to Jewish people. The vast majority of it. This story is kind of an outlier um, Jesus' presence in Gentile territory is an exception to the rule rather than, than the rule itself, right? Um, and most of the time in Mark's gospel and, and all the other gospels, we see Jesus loving, serving, ministering to Jewish people. And we see some beautiful examples of him stepping out of that. Um, you know, I think some of the stories he tells in particular are great examples of this, like the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the hero of the story is a Samaritan. Um, and here, this is a beautiful story too, where Jesus ministers to and has this playful banter with um, a Gentile woman. And uh, at the end of the Gospels, we see Jesus crucified on a Roman cross, and it's a Roman centurion 
that confesses him to be the son of God, right? Um, so, but Jesus does embody this in his ministry, his ministry to this woman and to her, her daughter is a exception to the rule rather than the rule itself. And by the way, uh, Jesus had come not just to preach and heal at this point. He'd come to the this Gentile territory of Tyre um, not to preach and heal, but to get a break and to lie low for a while after he did and said some really risky, controversial things. Like his statements about cleanliness and uncleanliness and what it means to really be a part of of God's kingdom were like things that could really get him in trouble and off to the wrong foot with some really powerful and influential people of his day. And so Mark tells us he got up and departed to the region of Tyre and he did not anyone want anyone to know. Uh, but he didn't want any, wanted to know he was here, but he's so popular. He's got such a great reputation that even in the just Gentile territories, people won't leave him alone. And so um, immediately after hearing about him, this woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit comes and like falls at his feet and just is begging Jesus to do something for a child. Um, so this story hammers home that Jesus meant what he said about cleanness and uncleanness. Do you see that? Like this woman is unclean. She is the embodiment of, of uncleanness because she's a, she's a Gentile. She's a pagan. She worships false gods. She probably worships false gods in ways that if you, if we knew all the details of it, it would, it would make us, it would make us cringe. It would make us uncomfortable. Um, but Jesus deliberately like loves and serves and ministers to this person. He hammers home what he said earlier about what makes someone clean or unclean. Um, so the barriers to God um, that we've sort of that have sort of been established by um, a certain faction of religious people in Jesus' day are are slowly being chipped away at until they'll be destroyed altogether by Jesus. Um, in other words, what's happening here? N.T. Wright says the dogs under the table were already sharing the children's bread. Jesus has this playful banter in a way that, in every way, like um, honors and uh, lifts up this woman and her daughter and in a way that says, you're welcomed in. You get to be a part of this kingdom that I'm establishing. Um, the dogs are in the children's table are already sharing the children's bed. And by the way, pretty soon, they're going to cease to be dogs and become children. Not that they were dogs. Don't hear me saying that at all. But this is to say, um, really, in a lot of ways, this puts everyone on equal footing, this story does, and says we all need to be invited. We all need a seat. We all need to respond to that invitation for a seat at the table. Um, so this is another passage that kind of challenges us to think about who's in, who gets to be blessed, who do we perceive as in when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to like going to heaven or being saved or whatever, however you want to phrase that, like who's a part of the club Jesus? Jesus got a really cool club, who gets to be a part? Um, and this is a passage that challenges us to think about who we perceive as inside and outside the kingdom of God. And it's the goal, I think, of Mark including this story, the reason Mark includes the story um, is because he wants us to he, he wants to chip away at the at these walls that we've built up to say some people don't get as much of God's love or some people are on the outside while we're on the inside. Um, we all do this, whether it's because someone doesn't have the right political views or doesn't have the right theology or doesn't um, or you know um, 
doesn't have the share the same exact type of lifestyle that we do or doesn't have the exact same value system that we do. And there's all kinds of ways. A lot of them these days are political, but there's all kinds of ways when we decide some people are on the in and some people are on the out. By the way, those food laws were abused by some Jews, and Jews not, again, not all, but some Jews in Jesus's day in ways that told people who were poor and didn't have the means to participate meaningfully in sacrifices, hey, you're, you're on the outside. Um, hey, you, 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 you're not as close to God as we are. Hey, you're, you're now unclean and you can't be a part of this. So what barriers are you erecting in your life? What walls are you building to say you're the one that's on the inside and everybody else is on the outside, or at least certain people are on the outside? Um, those walls, I would venture to guess, are keeping you from meaningful relationships, from loving and serving your nerdy neighbors in ways that are meaningful and powerful and life-giving. So what would it look like to topple those barriers? What needs to happen for those walls to come down? Who's in? Who's out? How can we chip away? What needs to happen in your life for you to open your eyes to God's love for everyone, but maybe you need to get in your mind a certain type of person. Maybe it's someone who's really different from you politically, or maybe it's someone who's in a whole different place, space from you socioeconomically. I mean, like, just don't have the same money or whatever. It could be someone that's really rich. It could be someone that's really poor. It could be um, somewhere in between. It could be someone who adopts a certain type of lifestyle that you just think is broken and messed up. Um, put that person in your mind and let's ask God, break down the barriers, break down the walls in my heart, not in them. It's really important. Not in them, but in my heart so that I can love them and serve them and love and serve my nerdy neighbors in ways that point them to to King Jesus and that invite them in because this story reminds us again that Jesus wants the people on the outside. He invites them in. He's like, yeah, Jesus is escaping <laughs> to Tyre, um, but it's deliberate, right? Everything he did was deliberate, and the story is deliberate. It's deliberate on Mark's part. It's deliberate on Jesus' part. Jesus wants this woman to be a part of his kingdom. He wants you to be a part of this kingdom, and he wants the people you think don't get to be a part of his kingdom, the people you've built up walls and barriers against, he wants them to be a part too. So let's side with him. Let's side with him. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.